0: Welcome to Freedom Broadcasters Live. I'm joined today with uh, Grace Assange with Quantum Nurse, Hartman Schumacher with Go Your Own Pat. And our guest today is has back again. I've had him on my own show. It was episode number 129. He was on this show on my own one, episode 141. So if you're listening to Grace's podcast or Hartman's, you'll actually just put in his name and you'll be able to find it on their show. What can I say about our guests? I mean, we're big into sovereignty. There's different things that people are saying, common law and et cetera, but I go into his website because I like what he's actually done. He's known as Sovereign Pete. Together, we will create a future of peace and abundance for all forever free from tyranny. Mission, the Sovereign Project is an institution that protects and reclaims the rights and freedoms of each individual by providing powerful tools and education while uniting others who also choose to be free and do you choose to be sovereign there are two states a person can be in the world you're either sovereign or a slave the choice is yours to make and i suppose peace at the end of the day i know that there's a lot of people out there doing this and there's a lot of people trying to teach stuff but they're not teaching them the the right thing <laughs> what you say from the start and you said it previously is you have to kind of do it yourself be sovereign yourself not rely on you you even say don't you know what you say do your own homework and to be honest with you I'm I've read maybe I between 10 to 20 books and I actually love your book I I've got your book there so you're an author as well thank you (laughs) what I would say is I like what you've done and all the messages there's been thousands that have actually listened to the episode there's loads of people given beautiful comments to what you've actually done so for those yes. that are listening for the first time I'd highly recommend going back because there's so much in this you might think it's simple but I know that you've been doing this for years <laughs> so welcome to the show and you might if there's anything you'd like to say just as as well of what you're at
1: oh thank you very much yeah you're absolutely right don't take my word for it do your own due diligence go and do your own research So the Sovereign Project, when I set it up, uh, I suppose I'll go back a little bit before 2020, because I set the Sovereign Project up in 2021. That's when I put the website up. And what I noticed is a lot of people were waking up in 2020 and they realized that, oh, the government's law isn't law after all. There's something seriously wrong with it. And then they were going looking for this magical common law. And then they were getting into all sorts of problems. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put people on the right track. Okay. I never make a claim that I know it all. No single person does. Okay. But I know enough to steer people on the right track. And I try and show people that it's you, it's your law. That's how it works. You don't go looking for someone else's law. So it's your own power. It's your own sovereignty. You govern yourself. Okay. So I tend to, sort of i don't like to use the word teach <laughs> i talk if people want to listen that's fine if they get something from me that's great i try and wake people up put them on the right path so they've got the right tools so then they can spot the fakes there's a lot of people out there i'm not saying they're doing it on purpose they might have good intentions but they might lack the knowledge and what they're doing is they're giving out bad information to people who don't know and they can't spot the bad information so i try and put people on the right track so that you can go on your own journey you've got the tools and you can spot the deception and hopefully not fall into the trap and if we've got time hopefully we can cover some of those traps today absolutely
0: absolutely like i have made so much notes based on the different things and i've even got one of our previous guests who's because of what's going on in in singapore and everything he he can't Come on, because he's afraid he'd be arrested. And he sent me a a list of stuff as well. So if we get time, we'll go through his stuff. Yeah, I'll try my best to answer them. No problem. What what based on my own knowledge, right? And I've done a course on Magna Carta, because we've talked on a few of these things. My understanding now compared to previously, it looks to me, and maybe I'm wrong that the Magna Carta was done by the rich boys, the big boys, so to just take the power off the king, but it wasn't for the individuals. And a lot of people out there think that the Magna Carta is for us. And I think UCC is kind of similar, even though you can touch on bits to protect you. So I'd I'd love to know your thoughts on
1: that. Yes, you're absolutely right. I think we better talk about different jurisdictions, and we better touch on corporations. This might make things a bit more simple. There's many things. Let's just talk about this country that we're on or... I mean, I know you're not in England. Okay, let's, let's go. The problem is when someone asks me a question like that, there's so many layers and I have to go, oh, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. So anyway, a country people think is the land that people live on Uh, a physical land but it's not a country is basically a jurisdiction it's a corporation today okay the word country comes from counties what a county is is a king would place a jurisdiction upon the land he would count the number of people within that border within that jurisdiction and they would be the taxpayers they were the county if you've got a collection of counties that would be a country so it's a jurisdiction it's a corporation Now, talking about England, you've got many different titles. You've got England, uppercase and lowercase. You've got the Kingdom of England or uh, England, the Kingdom, um, depending on how it's written. You've got Great Britain, the Britons, and you've got uh, United Kingdom. So you go, hang on a minute, why have we got all these names? Well, they are separate corporations with separate titles. So to give you an idea, um, Great Britain Is a corporation and before 1968 if you lived on this land England you were part of the the British corporation and you were known as a British subject okay they were in one jurisdiction after 1968 the passports changed and it became British citizen you switched jurisdictions you're no longer in Great Britain you're now in the UK corporation, okay? So as long as people understand these different jurisdictions, that's what's going on. If you've got, if you if you call a subject, then you are under the control of a monarch. You are subject to the king or the queen. If you are a citizen, you are a slave to the city, okay? You're an employee of a corporation. That's what it means. Now going back to the Magna Carta. Now we understand all these jurisdictions. The problem is, is the the Magna Carta was written in England, nothing to do with the UK. So the Magna Carta was written between the king, which is the monarch, against the barons. Okay, so it was a contract between them. It was between the barons and the king within England or the English jurisdiction. Now, there is a problem for the MPs, the politicians today. They have a major problem with the Magna Carta because obviously there is some clauses in there. And a lot of people say, oh, you've got to follow this and all the rest of it. So what they've been doing over the centuries since the Magna Carta was written is moving us away from... English, if you like, jurisdiction, or Great Britain jurisdiction, and they've pulled us into the UK corporation jurisdiction. So today, the Magna Carta no longer applies if you're operating in the UK corporation. That's the layman terms, basic understanding, just so the average person can understand what's going on. That's why if you go into a court of law, to, oh, court of law. <laughs> it's not a court of law, it's a corporate court, it's a court de jure, that's what they call it, so it's got nothing to do with law. So it's a court de jure. So if you go into a court de jure today, that is operating in the UK corporation jurisdiction. That's why the Magna Carta doesn't apply. And it's the same for the courts in America. A lot of people are going into the courts in America and they're waving waving the constitution. Those courts are not operating in that jurisdiction. That's why these people are losing when they wave the the constitution. So you've got to understand these jurisdictions and people don't, uh, they don't even know what a country is. They're they're waving the Union Jack. I mean, we just had the Queen's uh, funeral and everyone's waving the Union Jack. And I'm going, oh, no, they don't know what they're doing. The Union Jack is a corporate logo, the UK corporate logo. So you're now a citizen of that corporation. But yeah, the Magna Carta is a contract, a contract between the barons and the king. My signatures are on it. So why would I even use it? And this is, I think, a lot of people are going down the wrong path. Because they see what's going on today with legislation, it's not law, it's legislation, because people are seeing that, they think they've got to go and find some other magical form of legislation, law, to counteract the laws we have today. And people are jumping on the bandwagon with the Magna Carta and all this sort of stuff, and they go, your signature's not on it. And you are still a slave to the Baron. And I know there's some people, they do the uh, Magna Carta, the, uh, I can't remember what it is, 61ers, the... Um, uh, oh, it escapes me but there's a clause within the magna carta and they refer to it all, all, all the time but the problem is is for the magna carta to, to apply to you you have to swear an oath to the barons well if you're swearing an oath to a baron which is a title you've lost your sovereign status so it's it's a complicated system um of law and legislation and the average person can't generate the concepts, if you like. They can't see the the differences, the nuances. If you talk to the average person today and you say, can you tell me what law is? They haven't got no, they've got no understanding. They just think it's just one thing. It's the law. That's it. They don't, they have no concept of jurisdictions. So they don't know about equity law, ecclesiastical law, trust law, all these different forms of law that you have to enter into for it to apply to you. And when we use the word law, it's contract law. Uh, I mentioned before, I said um, court de jure. This is what the courts are in this country, in this corporation, the courts de jure. So what they've done, what they've done is they have using language, they're using deception. So if you're in a court de jure, they talk about rights and law. However, the rights in a court de jure are privileges. And the law within a court de jure are actually policies within a contract. So you're now talking about contract law. You see they've made the switch. So it's no longer a court of law. It's a court of contracts. It's a corporate court and it's dealing in commerce. But um, yeah, the average person doesn't know this. So they, 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 I try and teach people this so they don't go down the wrong path. It's complicated. I
0: but... Say, having a solicitor because you're basically giving up your rights then by having them because they, they're kind of acting on your behalf. But you've, and I've heard that even when there's kind of money involved, that they're getting a kickback as well.
1: They are. They are. I mean, the if you hire a solicitor or a barrister or a lawyer and attorney, especially the ones high up, the ones lower down, they probably don't know. If they're just a junior employee of a you know a law firm, they probably don't know. It's only if you're a partner of that law firm that you'll you'll know the truth. But your solicitor, lawyer, attorney, barrister, whatever, they don't want you to win because if you go into these court de jure's which is actually operating as a trust, by the way, and they flip it. They make you the trustee when, in fact, you're the beneficiary. So you go in there. They trick you into being the trustee. They want you to lose because if you lose, then that court can enter your trust fund. So if you get a speeding ticket and you get pulled into there, your lawyer, your solicitor wants you to lose because then he gets a piece of the pie. So you've got a speeding ticket. You go in. You get found guilty. They're probably dipping into your trust fund for about, 100,000, something on that region, about $100,000, something like that. And they're all taken a slice. The court gets some, the prosecutor gets some, the lawyer, your lawyer that you hired, he gets a slice of that. So that's how that's how it works. and um, People have got to wake up to that. It's a complete fraud. Oh, by the way, he's not representing you. He represents your legal fiction. <laughs> it's not you. It's your birth certificate. He's representing the all caps name, not you, the living, breathing. <laughs> he's representing the corporation.
0: And because I know there's so many angles we can go down with this, but you mentioned the trusts and that's something because I know somebody uh, was talking about trusts uh, recently and it turned out that they weren't working out as they expected. And I've had somebody on my show, but it was uh, to stop kind of paying capital gains. they're, They're legally able to do it, but it's not working in you know the rest of the Europe is just currently working but it ain't mm-hmm. cheap either like you know it's like 18 and a half grand and I'm able to download different trusts from the thing and I'm wondering can you just create your own trust and get an affidavit or what's the, the way around it
1: yes now there are at least a hundred different styles of trusts it's very very complicated Um, I do not claim to be an expert on trusts, okay? because that takes years of research. And you've got to just be focused on trust to understand this topic fully. Um, But you have trusts, you have foundations. You've heard of the fact, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that's operating as a trust. Some PMAs, private member associations, they're also operating as trusts. Now, you've got some relatively, I'll I'll just just tell you, just uh, focus on a few types of trust. One is a statutory trust. Now, if you have one of those, you're being pulled into the statutory legislation jurisdiction and you really don't want to be in that camp because if you're in that one, then you have to pay tax and all the rest of it. And you have to open up the um, the details of the trust. It's also like having a public trust. If you have a public trust, um, now you're entering into the state private jurisdiction because remember the word public actually means private okay when you're referring to the government on the state if they say public that's private and you're entering into a separate private jurisdiction so if you if you're operating in a public trust you're operating in someone else's private jurisdiction and then they can gain access to your trust um you've got a registered trust okay so this is where you would register trust, but it is still a registered private family trust That's probably the one that most people use. So it is registered, but I don't like the idea of registering anything, because if you register anything, especially if you're dealing with the, the government, you're handing over ownership. This is how they've got our cars and businesses and houses and everything else today, because we were tricked into registering. Okay, Because if registering comes from Regis, you're handing over ownership to the king, simply put. So I don't like that. Now, another one is to have an express trust where you express your trust. So you do it yourself. It's not easy. You've got to get it correct. But there's a certain process you can use an affidavit. There's some ways that you will use the uh, mail service where you'll create the trust. You mail it to yourself uh, and then it's actually stamped in an envelope. So you've got that. It's gone through because um, Royal Mail, all mail is a court. It's the highest court within the legal system. Okay, It's the highest court there is. It's higher than the Supreme Court. So if you use their court and it's stamped, then that's proof that you actually created the trust. And then what you'd also do, you would, would use advertising and newspapers, that sort of thing. So you would uh, put an advert into a in one of these financial newspapers saying that you've created the trust on this date, blah, blah, blah. And then you keep a copy of the newspaper as proof. What I would suggest is, unless you've already spoken to him, is talk to Peter Wilson. And he has an excellent channel. Um, I think it's... Um, 2021 return to to democracy that's his youtube channel and he has a website and he's put together a an, a an express trust which looks very good so if you want to know more on that i'd say get him on and he'll probably tell you all about that
0: yeah, he, he's actually been on before and we're, oh, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we're looking to get him back on again get him
1: back on yeah you can spend a whole one and a half hours just on that <laughs> But he's your man. <laughs> I tip my hat off to him when it comes to trusts.
0: <laughs> so like we, we talked about, like, say, the, the passport, because now I'm conscious of everything that we're using, our driving license, the passport, and it's all the capital letters. Yes. So how do we kind of get around and do all the different things and not be the corporate entity?
1: Very difficult at the moment. The thing with a passport is, again, it begins with a mindset. People have got to realize that you do not need a passport. Okay, so I will tell people you don't need a passport. And they'll go, oh, well, how do I go on holiday? And i go, no, your mindset's all wrong. (laughs) You should turn around and say, well, yeah, of course I don't need a a passport. Why do I need a passport? Once your mindset is correct, then you can understand how the passport actually operates and what is actually going on. What you're doing is you've become, I'm going to do layman terms again. What you've done is you've become a postman. Okay, and you're operating in that jurisdiction. You're operating as well, I believe, under UCC corporate codes, uh, commercial codes. And what you're doing is you are carrying a document, a letter, which is the passport, which is of your corporation. It's the passport that stops you from traveling. (laughs) You, the living, breathing, can travel any way you want. No one has the right to stop you ever okay, from traveling. But the passport stops you from traveling because you've got to go to the board and you've got to submit the passport and you've got to submit your papers. And then it's stamped. OK, so all of these countries, you go into the country and it's a stamp. This is part of the Postal Service. OK, you're now put the stamp on and now your document, your passport is now operating in that jurisdiction. You've switched jurisdiction, So you've stepped out of the UK Corporation one and you've gone into Mexico or whatever, and you've now got the Mexican stamp. So it's all part of postal mechanics. Now, there are ways you can do it without you can travel without a passport. It's not easy. There's people looking for very simple solutions. There are no simple solutions at the minute. Okay, the idea of sovereignty is very new. This is embryonic. Okay, people are just beginning to wake up to this. We're just beginning to develop the remedies. So there's no simple solutions. But one of them is you could try serving notice on the people who own the airports and say, I will be traveling, not using a passport. If you stop me from traveling, then I will sue you for violating my rights to travel. That's one way you could do it. You can't sue the airport itself. That's a corporation. Remember, you've got to remember the jurisdictions of what's going on. Only a corporation can do commerce with another corporation. So it's two bits of paper, two different contracts, two corporations, right, let me just do that. Two different paper corporations, all right? They can do trade, it's called commerce. Behind each corporation is the living, breathing man or woman. Now, if I want to do business with the airport, so that's the airport, I need my own corporation to be able to do it, because the airport is just a legal fiction, okay? So you can't be the living, breathing, and then sue the airport. They're two separate jurisdictions. You're going to lose that game, but you can serve notice on the person who owns that airport and say I'll be traveling. So you've bypassed the commerce part. That's not easy, by the way. There's another so one you can just
0: on that because there's yeah. there's a friend of mine who's yeah. you know more advanced than me in in this journey, and he's created something. I'm not sure was it like diplomatic kind of thing or something, but it was basically like. What you're saying but he had his passport but he didn't show him and he was going to the border control saying hey this is this is actually more important than a passport eventually they were like oh we need to talk to somebody whatever and in the end they were like we need to talk to Ryanair to see will they allow you to travel so they were accepting it which was strange but he would have missed his flight unless he said <laughs> so he just gave his passport and yeah. went, right, <laughs> but It just, like, a lot of people would say, no way. But Mm -hmm. after hearing that, I'm going, that is strange that they basically just want to clarify with, because Rainier don't even look at your passport. So what's that about? Like, there's something trickery going on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see what he did. I'd love to see what his remedy is. Um, He could be using some form of affidavit or something, maybe, you know, and then people don't want to touch that because, you know, an affidavit is the highest form of documentation there is. There's no higher document than an affidavit. And that would be your affidavit. Um, So I'd love to see what he did. There's another one using postal mechanics. You can become your own postman. So you can actually control your own documents and you can be- become your own postmaster. I'm sort of researching how that's done. It's very Just on that, because I, I but,
0: remember going into that. And there's a stamp with the fox on it that's gone back for years. Is that something that you've come across?
1: The fox, I've not heard of. But what you would do is you get the stamp about a pound. It's going to be a denomination in 10. It's going to be like a, a 10, 20, 30... P stamp or something like that. You put it on an envelope, but you sign across it, and you take control of the document. And if the address is in France, you say, "Right, I've got to deliver this envelope, uh, this letter in France." You can't stop me because I'm the postman. (laughs) So you can travel like that. I'm again simplifying people. Everyone watching this, I'm just paraphrasing and simplifying. So it's a bit more complicated than that. But,
0: But I think you're right because, like. I I read a lot of books and I was reading one of Benjamin Franklin recently and a lot of people say, no, oh, he's great, but he was kind of killing Indians and everything. But well, he was the postmaster general and he's kind of yes. talking about. And I was thinking, there's something definitely to this. So I think by becoming your own postmaster, it's not a case of I need my passport. Hey, I'm delivering this. So
1: Yes, that's right. I am delivering this to France. So I'm del- delivering this to Mexico. And you can't stop me. Otherwise, you're going to have the postal service on your back. And like I said before, the postal service, it is operating as a court and it is the highest court within the legal system. Okay, And that is in all countries. It is. uh, In fact, the postal service is above war because all wars are corporate, by the way. Most people don't know that. But um, this is why if the postal service, you should never touch a postman in the war or a post ship. You can't touch that in war. That's a war crime. Um, but yeah, that's one way of doing it. This other one is diplomatic immunity. But the thing with diplomatic immunity is that you have to operate in a separate jurisdiction. And I am mean, I'm working on something that might help. So to have d- diplomatic immunity, you have to not operate in the UK corporation, but operate in a separate state and you could then get diplomatic community but what you're doing if you if you do that get diplomatic community you're accepting that that state exists you're accepting that the corporation does exist and then you're playing their games exactly you know, and
0: to- just on that because i've seen because i was looking at that when the craziness i don't want to touch on that subject because i want this to go on my youtube channel But yeah. basically the testing that they were doing you still had to do it when you had the diplomatic passport which basically meant they have full control over you, yeah. Yeah. so what you've just said kind of makes, yeah, yeah it, it seems better, but it's not really.
1: Not really, exactly. That's that's the problem. You are still playing the game, so um, it's a difficult one, that one. But, yeah, there's there are different ways of traveling. Oh, another one is to actually change your passport itself because um, it, it, I'm going to use the UK passport here, but we have, uh, it will be marked as a type P. So the average person in this uh, in the UK corporation has a type P passport, which basically means pleb, plebeian. That's the lowest of the low. And then you've got D for diplomat and A for aristocrat. So if you've got a type A or a type D, you have higher privileges. So when you actually you can cut corners and all the rest of it. And go hang on, I've got a type D. I'm a diplomat, and then you can bypass the queues and all the rest of it, and you can get through a lot more. The way you do that. Again, not easy. You have to take control of your birth certificate. Okay, that's the corporate one. Very, very long process to do. I don't claim to know it fully myself, but I know bits of it. Um, And that's what you would do is you try and get your name, your living name placed onto a box within that birth certificate. So if you were born after, I think, 1968, the birth certificate in this country has 17 boxes. There's a blank box. You've got to get your name on that. Once you've got your name on it, your living name, you've now become the director of that corporation. You've taken control of that corporation. Okay. And then you can use it. You then you become a secured party creditor. Okay. Because at the moment your birth certificate, if you haven't taken control of it, it's owned by the Crown, Crown Corporation, and you are you are a ghost director. All right. So that's what's going no, on no, i just
0: looked at it there because i have my oh, yeah, one there because i've been and there is a box that you're, you're dead right there's a and but one of the things that i was looking at <laughs> it was like the signature from say the doctor or whatever yeah it's like qualifications and residence of informant
1: and yes
0: they actually sign it as occupier
1: yes
2: you know? <laughs> so it, oh, the more fine.
0: the more you down this route the more you kind of claim your sovereignty the more you go ooh, because a lot of people think no way this can't be happening but the more that you check it and i like everything is an act as well because i'm looking yeah. at checking the irish thing and it's all according to acts this sure acts is yes. nothing
1: to do with cider oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's right this is the this is why i say um the average person is illiterate okay they well they say, oh, i can read no you can't read the words you don't understand the words But this is why people need to read and say, well, hang on a minute. How can they be an informant on my birth certificate? What's going on? And, of course, what it is, it's your parents. Your parents or your mother was tricked into being the informant and gave you away. You were basically um, abandoned. go, What's going on? If you look at the birth certificate, uh, again, it depends on what country you are, but it will probably say this is not proof of identification. And you go... What? <laughs> I thought it was my birth certificate. So, how can it not be a proof of identification? And then you look at it again and you might say, crown copyright. And you go, what? <laughs> how can some corporation have copyright on my birth certificate? What's going on? So, yeah, people have got to learn to read and spot these words. They don't understand. It's like license. The word license means asking permission. And everyone's driving around with a license plate on their car and you can't figure it out. Why do you need a license to get married? Who are you asking permission from to get married? <laughs> Honestly, when you wake up and you learn how to read, it or you can. It's like the sunglasses. You know, they live film. You take the sunglasses on and off, and put the sunglasses on. Now you can read. <laughs> now you can see it. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's crazy. Exactly.
0: And like with the, the, the signatures as well, because I know we're going to touch on a lot of things. And but Hartman and Grace, I'll pass over now after this, but because of the signature like the more that i'm going into this i'm getting brave now like i'm just getting i mean i've had over 100 court cases so whatever my trust is it must be in minus or whatever way it's done (laughs) i'm even responding to police i'm even responding to courts saying this isn't signed and i'm expecting to be attacked immediately and there's nothing the city yeah yeah the city were coming after me for a, a tenement building that I had with another guy and they were trying to something we sold. they were trying to get like seven years of refuse that we never used I was like show me the contract show me this show me that and just silence. really wow <laughs> yeah. so wow. yeah you know so it's like I I tell people that like everything no even I I'm trying to get my um pen, I'm gonna be 50 soon in a couple of weeks and I am trying to get the pension because you can get 25% tax and you can't get the revenue. And then I get like a letter from the pension crowd saying, you need to get this. The, the company that I worked for years ago said, Oh, we only keep it for seven years. The revenue, when you ring, they don't actually answer. They're saying, Oh, we've too many calls. And it's just, and like like, that's going on for loads of people. So when I phone them today, the girl, I was like, this is, I'm not accepting this. Like, and I said, he also signed it. I said, there wasn't a signature. That was a, that's a scribble. And it's actually, that's illegal. And you just tear her, oh, oh we got you started. No. And, <laughs> it was uh, before, I would never do that. No, it's like none of these people, like there's nobody's got your back. So like it, from just talking to them, it mean, all the people trying to get their pensions and everything, you yeah. can't get in contact with them. They'll take your money, but try to, try to do it the other way around where you're trying oh, yeah. to get your pension, different conversation.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and this is the beginning. Uh, as more and more people wake up to this, and the more and more people say, "Hang on a minute, this this document i received hasn't been signed, or it's a scribble with no name underneath, or it's got PP next to the name underneath the signature, which means whoever signed for it is signing on behalf of the name." And then I go, "Well, I've got nothing then, have I? Because if I've got I've got a signature with no name, and I've got a name with no signature, so that's not a legally binding contract." So if you see PP next to it, basically it means by proxy. So again, this is what we do in the, the workshop. So I show people all this and they see it. So they come to the workshop and they take the bring their paperwork along. And I go, is it signed? And they go, Oh no, it's not. <laughs> don't you think you should find out who sent it? <laughs> no, if you don't know who sent it, then you can't ascertain obligation. Who sent it? I don't know. It's just a piece of paper with ink on it. It, it just it could be a Automated mistake. I don't know. So I need a signature. I need a name. I need to know who living, breathing person has sent it. It can be an employee of a a corporation, not a problem, but I am the director of my corporation, but I'm going to have to deal with an employee of that corporation, whoever it is, and I'm going to need to know their name because I've got to ascertain obligation. If I don't know who you are, I can't ascertain obligation. There's nothing. And nope. When
0: you do that, when you write to the person, they shit themselves. And they they do. Kind of go, There's nothing to do with me. And they pass it on, and then it kind of disappears. It but disappears. one thing that I just want to, and I think maybe you could clarify this, but I believe that a lot of times people are getting the letter and they just assume oh. Yeah, there's something wrong and they leave it go. But I think you have to reply because if you don't reply, it's like acknowledging that you've got it and you accept it. So you have to reply and kind of state the things that are incorrect with it.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, Now, there's a difference between replying and responding. Okay, so again, this can be a trap. You've got to be very careful. So when you receive mail in the post, normally two colors of envelope. White is domestic, okay. So that just means offers to co- to enter into commerce. It can be birthday cards, letters from your mum, what, blah blah blah. Okay, white envelopes domestic. If it's brown, then that means official commerce has begun. All right. So if you get a brown envelope, you go oh, hang on a minute, has comment commerce begun? So anyway, if you get an envelope that's white, it's an offer to con to contract, if you like, or enter into an agreement. Now, you should reply, but not respond. Now, what a reply means is either send it back, you can actually send unopened. If you say, well, I don't know who this is, you can address you not recognized, return it and just send it back. That's a reply. Or you can open it up and then do a reply and return it, but not addressing what was written in the mail you've received. That's the trap. So, a lot of people are responding when they should be replying. Now, let, let me go into a bit more detail. The difference between replying and responding. If I said to you, oh, morning, lovely day, isn't it? And you went, yes, it is, lovely day, fantastic. You've responded to my question, that's a response, okay? If I say the same thing, oh, lovely day today, isn't it? You say, jog on. You've replied, but you haven't responded to the question that I've given you, okay? So if you do open these, this mail up, you've gotta be very careful. Because if you start negotiating what is written, then you're basically entering into a contract. OK, so what you need to learn again, this is what we do in the workshop on a Tuesday night. And uh, we do returning mail, that sort of stuff. What you need to do is you read it. And if it's a new correspondence, you've never dealt with this company before. Or you don't want to deal with them. Then what you will just do is highlight the errors. And it will normally be a notice of unable to respond. So it will be your letter dated, blah, blah, blah. Um, I am unable to address anything written within your letter because of the following errors. And one of them is it's not signed or there's no name or the addressee is not recognized or whatever it is. But don't get into a negotiation. It's like if you get a speeding ticket, don't start negotiating and say, wow, well, I was late for work and I'm sorry I was doing 35. That's a response. And do you
0: make a, photocopy and send that back because what I do I like I don't know where I've read it but I heard that by giving the reference it's kind of like acknowledging as well so I actually have the reference but I say I do not accept this my reference and I put my reference under it and that seems to be what I mean who knows (laughs) the way I mean you don't win everything you know you're taking you're choosing your battles but it's all a learning process but is that something that
1: yeah by kind of doing it that way very yeah absolutely so if you make reference to their reference number this is one of their tricks that's why they do it If you make reference to it, they will take that as you've accepted the contract because you're now referencing their reference number. Unless you put a clause in your notice stating making reference to your reference number is not acceptance of contract. Doing so will uh, result in five thousand pounds in damages. They can't. Same with a postcode. You've got to be careful of using postcodes because you're getting pulled in maritime law if you use a postcode. It's not your postcode. So if you want to use a postcode, put it in square brackets. If you put anything in square brackets, it's off the paper. It's not part of the legal document. So you can make reference to a postcode. And it even goes a bit deeper than that because if you reference the date, (laughs) this this is when they get into their religious sort of side of things, but it's not your date. It's not your calendar. It's unlikely that the average corporation is gonna use dates against you, but just be aware that if you're saying this is September the 22nd, 2022, that's not your calendar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's someone else's calendar but that gets deep but yeah on a general level in doing commerce um don't don't get into uh negotiations don't start addressing stuff written in that document just highlight the problems and say i can't even address this because it's not signed or whatever it is as soon as you start negotiating you've accepted the contract and now you're going to get pulled in but yeah and also use your own reference number that's a good that's a good tip use your own reference number put it in there there's documentation on my website anyway and it shows you how to reply and respond to mail and what to look out for so there's a how-to guide so anyone watching jump on my well, uh, website.
0: fantastic resources on your yeah, yeah you know i commend you on that not thank Just you Peter thanks a million i don't want to hug the stage i'll pass you on to Hartland
2: Pete, pleasure to have you again here on the show brilliant yeah. i want to Uh, I want to ask you another strategy What is, for example if you get this kind of documents and then you respond to them and say I would like to work with you okay please prove me your legal certainty
1: oh yes oh yes that's a notice of conditional acceptance so yes you can use that tactic as well you can go back and say oh yeah not a problem you know I'll pay that speeding ticket but can you pl- please prove the uh, the obligation Do- give me the contract why am i obligated to pay it or whatever the situation is but yeah absolutely you can use that as well that's another remedy and then I want to touch on that as well this is the this is a position that people need to be in challenge the obligation too many people are skipping past that part Okay, and this is why the don't pay movement is a bit of a trap, right, because everyone's skipping past the obligation. People are going to get into this habit. You challenge two things, basically obligation and authority. That's what you challenge. So if someone is contacting you and they're saying you have to do something or you have to pay something, then you say, well, if I've got to pay something, you're going to have to provide the obligation. Where is it? Where is it provable that I am obligated to pay the thing? Am I obligated to pay council tax? Am I obligated to pay income tax? Am I obligated to have a driver's license? All this sort of stuff. That's the position you need to be in. And also challenge the authority. If people are saying, you've got to do this, you go, where are you getting the authority from? Challenge the authority. And they've got to prove it. The burden of proof is on them. Um, So if we've got time, we'll just touch on the don't pay movement, if that's okay. Because I'm a bit worried about this don't pay movement that seems to be going all over the, uh, the internet at the moment. I understand the sentiment. I get it. And see, the, again, the trap is if you say I'm not going to pay, then what you've just done is you've accepted the obligation. You see the trap. If you refuse, you say I'm refusing to pay, you've accepted the obligation. Right? If you use an excuse, if you say I can't afford to pay, you've accepted the obligation. That's the trap. And then as soon as you've done that, as soon as you've officially sent a letter or a phone call or you have said, I can't pay or I'm not paying, they will come after you because you've accepted the obligation. So instead of the don't pay movement, it should be, am I obligated to pay? That's the change we need to get out there. And here's the thing I'm going to tell you, you're not, you're not obligated to pay your gas, electricity or utility bills because it's already been paid. That's why it's called repayments. Your trust fund paid for the gas and electricity, creating a debt that the Treasury now is responsible for. The Treasury sends it, sells it on the debt market to the utility companies. The The utility companies then trick you into thinking they are selling you gas and electricity, when in fact they are credit brokers selling debt and you are buying debt. So ask yourself, are you obligated to buy debt? No, you're not are you actually obligated to buy your own debt when you're the creditor no that's fraud (laughs) so the don't pay movement it needs to change it should be am i obligated to pay i've already paid it (laughs) why am i paying twice (laughs) this is this is very
2: important because of the gas prices and the electricity at the moment
1: yeah do you have
2: any recommendation concerning this because for example in Germany is the I don't know the word in uh, in English. I, I tried to translate it. Uh, it's Gasumlagegesetz, which is um, gas, let's say exchange law. It's not very very good translation, but we have uh, we have a law where the suppliers have the ability to give the price to the end buyers. So at the moment, for example, a bakery which had costs of one hundred thousand uh, a year mm-hmm. has now to pay 1.1 million mm-hmm. or um pensionists who had three who had 300 euros per month have now 2800 and in two months here in germany the game is over yes because no one can pay the gas and electricity anymore
1: they can't yeah? same here it's gone up not quite as much as germany but it's doubled easily over doubled almost tripled here and there's people can't afford it at all even if they wanted to they can't afford it and they're going to go cold and they're going to go hungry so also what we're going to start is when they say they no such thing as they government is just a corporation okay so people living people have passed legislation it's not a law not a law in any way shape or form all right remember germany is a corporation just like the uk It's a corporate policy. That's all it is, okay? That's why you challenge the obligation and say, actually, am I obligated to follow this corporate policy? And you're not because there is no contract. You never signed anything. A lot of people are dealing with with, uh, corporations and they're dealing with service agreements. Service agreements, not a contract. Also, contracts and service agreements, you must still be given uh, informed consent. So you must be notified of what you are actually buying. What does the contract actually involve? Go and research your own utility companies. You will find with a bit of digging, they are credit brokers. They you go, know, I wasn't told this. I wasn't told I was dealing with a credit broker. They don't sell gas and electricity. So all you've got to do is if we get enough people into this, if they know about the SESTA KV Trust, it's game over. So there's millions of people in Europe and in England and UK struggling we've got to get this message out to these millions of people and say no your gas and electricity has already been paid for and when enough people know that's it this scam is over you don't even have to fight it anymore everyone in the whole street will know what they're gonna do <laughs> the game's up <laughs> but i mean there is there is sort of ways around it's not easy not easy one way is to fit your own meters okay so you will get a fight on your hands as an individual. But if you can get together with a group, see, there's got to be streets. There's got to be areas of people all in the same boat, all struggling to pay their gas and electric. All neighbours must be talking. So if that entire area, if a few streets got together and they all changed their metres, that's it. Came over because those houses, those people, those neighbours will back each other up. So when the bailiffs come to the first house, the rest of the people come out and surround the bailiffs, 100 people, 200 people surround those bailiffs in the electric board. Jog on. And that's how you do it. And these people will know why they're doing it. They're not stealing electricity or gas, they've already paid for it. So you can do a notice of conditional acceptance with some of these credit brokers. Okay. So if you fit your own meters, you say, right, from now on, I'm now going to fit my own meter. I will quite happily buy debt from you. Okay, the utility company, I'll buy debt from you based on my meter readings. However, I am going to lease my meter to you, £100 a day. Conditional uh, notice of conditional acceptance. Now, an individual trying to do that, very tough game. We have some people doing it now. You get 100,000 people doing it, a million people doing it, it's game over. The system collapses and we're done. We go back to a free market. I I pray for that day, and I'm not even religious. <laughs> but yeah, you just got to know that your gas and electric is already prepaid for. You paid for it. That's why it's called repayments. Another way you could do it if you really where, good at it where is, uh, can you
2: content. read this? Uh, how can you? How do you get this information?
1: Okay, well the utility one is relatively easy. You can, in fact, some of these utility uh, companies will even say on their own website that they are, in fact, credit brokers. It's just the average person's never looked for it before. You don't notice it. So, so I've seen it myself. I've gone onto some of these uh, you know, websites and it says they are registered credit brokers. And you go, excuse me? What? Credit broker? I thought you sold gas and electricity. Now, the SESTA KV Trust Act can be found on the government's website, UK government's website. That's the easy place to find it. The SESTA KV Act 1666. Okay. Um, so that's where it began. There's um, There's other clues. There are certain websites that you can use. I can't quite remember them off the top of my head that will help you track your bonds that have been attached to you since birth. Okay, that's using your national insurance number or security number, social security number, um, and then you. It's a bit of a detective work, but if you've got your national insurance number, you'll get some other numbers, a Qsip number, that sort of stuff, and they will be able to track the bonds that have been placed upon you, your birth certificate, and you'll find that you've been traded hundred thousand a million times on the stock market being sold bought and sold bought and sold all the time so that can be found relatively easy the other thing is the notes themselves there's a note says i promise to pay all right it's it's a little tiny right they make it so small that you can hardly hardly read it now because they want to hide the truth but they can't they've got to put it on there this is a promissory note this is a promise to pay now if you understand what a promissory note you go okay this is a note of debt This is issued by the Bank of England. Okay, fair enough. Not a problem. Who's the creditor? That's the question you should be asking. Who is the creditor behind this note of debt? It's us, based on our national insurance number. This is why you pay tax, because you're paying the interest on this debt. It's a detective thing. There's not a one-place shop. I wish there was. I wish I could say to people, just go to this website, and it will just give you the answer. (laughs) No, no. These people have created this system. They've been on it for centuries and they've buried it under layers of bureaucracy and legalese, you know, language and words that mean different things. So it's a detective work. Okay. It's like, again, your, your birth certificate. Why does it say not proof of identification? What's going on there? You know, it's the grammar. Why am I getting uh, documentation in all caps? Why is my name written in all caps? If you go look it up, grammar english grammar then you realize that's an acronym what's going on so it's all these clues you put the dots together and that if you understand economics by the way then only a living breathing man or woman can give credit that's where it comes from it has to be living someone living can give credit corporations cannot give credit they can't do it they have to have someone backing it someone living breathing and that's where it comes from so we are the creditors of this that's what we are and you can do, you can go and search and it'll take you some time but you'll find the crumbs the breadcrumbs and you can put it together and um, then nat- again national insurance number you can research it. it's a bank account number <laughs> got nothing to do with insurance <laughs> this is one of the things that put me on this path of discovery to begin with over a decade ago i had a, a back injury couldn't couldn't work never claimed benefits in my life ever. And I've worked since I was 16, since I left school. And I thought, okay, um, can't work, lost my job, can't, you know, I'm going to use my insurance. That's when I discovered it wasn't insurance at all. And I wasn't entitled to anything. And I thought, why am I paying it for all these years if it's not insurance? And then I discovered the straw man, the legal fiction, the KV Trust, the birth certificate, this fiat currency. Yeah. But yeah.
2: And um, can you say something to, um, for example, to a so, to a statement where I declare that I'm a human being that I was born in in this place. I'm the human being. I'm a human being, and then I sign it with two with two witnesses and we stamp it with red fingerprint. Yep,
1: yep. that's an affidavit. It's an affidavit of status, highest document there ever is. An affidavit is your declaration to God, whoever God is. You know, God can mean a different thing, can be different religions. It's your God. In other words, you're swearing to the highest authority, if you like. So that's what an affidavit is. So that would be an affidavit of status. So you would fill that out, and it would be who you are. That's your personal decision, you know, who you are. You can put in there what you're not. You won't accept the title, Mr. I'm not, um, you know, all caps, whatever it is. Get it witnessed, like you say you can get it notarized by a uh, notary public. And then what you would do is you'd file it with the court system. So once you filed it with the court system, it's on there and after after 30 days, it becomes law within your jurisdiction. So if someone should come to you and try and apply the legal fiction onto you, you say, "Well, hang on in a minute, I've got a, a, a affidavit status on file. And then you can bring it up into a, a court of law. Yeah. A law. <laughs> I gotta keep using air quotes. It's not quite a law, but you get it. But yeah, the okay. affidavit of status. You can do that.
2: Okay, now that's, that's that's important because um, we here in Germany, we can we we learn this how to do this. Then we also we work a lot with the legal certainty. And uh, can you tell also something about the true bill because um, oh. Roy asked concerning the true the, the, the true bill again. And can you tell us something
1: about this as well? Yeah. can you give me a little bit more context Rob, is a lot- something?
0: Uh, yeah what i've heard is when you get your your gas bill that you ask them for a true bill which they can't provide right. because as you mentioned they've already been paid and when you ask for that they can't provide it but it's not you saying hey i'm not doing it like, yeah if you can give
1: me a true bill it'll be paid correct true bill yes true bill. so when i when you said true bill i thought I don't know why my mind went to a bill in America like, oh, is that another piece of legislation they've just passed? <laughs> Something I can't keep, with all, keep up with all these bills that are passing lately or Biden's passing. But, yeah, true bill. That's based on a contract. Absolutely. There's got to be a true bill. The true bill is based on a contract that was agree, agreed to prior to the bill. So you've got to say, can you please show me where that exists? And of course, it doesn't exist. There is no original contract without an original contract. How can there be a bill? For me, for, for me to receive, uh, receive a bill, I must have put an order in. So can you give me proof that I put the order in? That's how it works. Orders and bills go in hand in hand. It's like credit and debt. It's go hand yeah, in hand.
2: I have one question. Um, because when, for example, when you move to another flat or another house, then you have to sign a contract with the electricity company, for example. And if, mm-hmm. we have, if you have signed the contract with the electricity company, what you, what you can do in this case?
1: Well, you don't have to sign it. You can just move. Okay. So when you, I mean, people are normally tricked. So I've moved quite a few times. So, and I fell into the trap myself because I didn't know. Um, so when you move, you normally get an, a letter through. And it's normally in the old person's name. So you just send it back, keep sending it back. You say, well, I don't know who that is. Until you get one, and it says to the occupier. And that's the trap. So of course you think, oh, I'm the occupier and you open it up and then that's when there's an offer to start paying gas and electric. And that's when you enter into a service agreement. Most people just do it automatically. They don't stop and think. So you don't have to sign up to gas and electricity. In fact, it's a lot easier that if you've moved and you've moved into a new house, especially if you own it, that's the time to swap your meters you're not in contract with any you're not in you're not part of a service agreement with any other corporation any other utility company so you can actually swap your meters at that time and then if you wish contract in quotes with a utilities company and say look i'm using my own meters we have private meters here now they do some dirty things they will do what they call is a deemed contract okay that's illegal I don't care who says they can do it. No, they can't. Okay, No one can deem me into a contract. That's not how contracts work. Again, this is part of the mindset that I try and help people with. Okay, But in this country, the utility companies will deem you to be in contract with them and then submit a bill to you. You can't do that.
2: So if, if for example, if the people are already in the trap and they have already signed the contract, with, mm-hmm. with companies, so for example, the street can come together, yeah. They, they can change the, the, the devices, right?
1: Yep, this and do not you no can just do termination, don't just do it. Okay, there's a sort you've got to treat it as commerce, all right? You've got to understand what's going on. So it's you controlling a corporation, and there's another corporation called the utilities company, okay? Utilities company, so that's what's going on. So treat it as a business. So you have to notify the utility company of what you're doing. So if you are with a utility company, you can serve notice to them and say, I no no longer wish to uh, enter into commerce with you. 30 days notice and I will clear my account. Okay, this is how it's supposed to be done. Now, what's actually going on is we are noticing that these corporations are ignoring due process. They're ignoring equity law and they're just steamrolling over people. That's what they're doing, okay? This is criminal. This is fraudulent. This, you can't do this. this. But they're doing it. The reason why they're doing it is because the people who are doing it, they're hiding behind the legal fiction of a utility company. That's how they're doing it, okay? They think they are protected. But when there's enough of us and we say, you can't hide behind the legal fiction anymore. I want to know who you are. I want to know the director. I want to know the CEO. I want to know everybody's name, all the employees that work for that legal fiction. And I will be coming after you. I will be serving notice on you for harassment and forcing me to be in a contract when one does not exist. When there's hundreds of thousands of us doing this, it's game over. Again, I always say this every time. It is a numbers game, okay? Trying to do this on your own is going to be difficult. Not saying it's impossible. Some people have won. Trying to do it on your own, very, very difficult. The sovereign project fight club. yeah. It- for example, I know I of know uh, uh, someone
2: who... Tried it several years ago, many years ago, already in 2000, uh, I think 2007, 2008 mm-hmm. and uh, 2009. And the problem was with him that uh, he traveled to court. He was fighting and said, I'm not this. Yeah, I'm showing the passport. But then one day he was in a traffic jam Yeah, and he came too late. And that moment he was, they said he's guilty because he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't present. <sighs> yeah so <laughs> it's
1: uh, this is the way you
2: have to be very careful with these things
1: the system is corrupt completely corrupt okay all of it all of it it's not like one little piece is good none of it is good it's all corrupt okay you're not dealing with court of law anymore you're not dealing with constables of the law anymore okay so an individual trying to fight a system and they might be honorable they might be doing everything correct but because the system's so corrupt, it won't even matter. That's why it's a numbers game. Because when there's hundreds of thousands, when there's millions of us doing this, no, the system fails. Because that's that's how uh ancient Rome failed, by the way. <laughs> People just turn their backs on it and goes, That's it, we're done. That's why it collapsed. I see. But yes. I see. Yeah. And I wish the- there was a simple solution, but there isn't.
2: And the an interesting thing is, yes, um, because of also the funeral of the queen, there are many articles about the about yeah. the lady. And interesting is, she has no driving license and she has no passport.
1: Hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is
2: very very interesting. Thank and you so much. I pass you to Grace. It's been a real pleasure talking to yeah. you, Pete.
1: Okay, you. anytime. anytime. Bye.
3: Well, just by listening to all of you. Um, having a conversation with Pete, it, there's so much information already there, okay? And uh, um, I want to share the uh, question from Roy, because I believe it's also important that all of us know about it. And he mm-hmm. said, please speak on about the font, because I, I I might have heard it also in other interviews. You talk about the font and then... Yeah. Um, you know what what would that mean and in fact if you want to just continue and talk about just really learning what the words mean because most people like seniors who maybe may may have owned property and now they're retiring and then you know the taxes yeah. but you mentioned mention about the word lot you know so oh, yeah. phone, okay and then we and also the font that voice and
1: Yes, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I mean, this is how they uh, defraud you. The people behind government and government agencies and corporations, um, including the police, um, they defraud you because um, they are not writing to you in English. This is how they get away with it. If they actually did write to you in English using the same size font or within the same four corners of the document, then they would be committing fraud. Also, they use windowed envelopes for the same reason. So it's just dirty tricks. But if they actually wrote your name on the envelope and it went through Royal Mail, then they would be committing fraud. So instead of doing that, they'll write your name, normally the all caps name, on the document itself. Put the document itself inside the envelope with a window so you can see into the envelope. In their eyes, they're not committing fraud because only the envelope... Has gone through the legal system, if you like the the uh, postal service court. The contents has got nothing to do with Royal Mail. That's how they get away with it. So when you receive these documents from all these corporations, you'll find multiple different size fonts. Some uh, t- fonts will be bold. Some will be italic. Um, some will be all caps. Some of it will be in boxes. So this is how they do it. Now. Within contract law, this goes back centuries. We have what is called the Four Corners Rule. Now, back in the olden days, they used to use scrolls, okay? A scroll is where a scribe would roll up a document, a scroll. So a scroll would be like a giant long piece of A4. So it's just one document with four corners on it, okay? And the entire contract would be written in one language and it would be written in one text, And then it would be signed on the bottom and then it would be scrolled up and that would be the four corners rule. That would be a contract. By the way, another thing in uh, contracts is the signee should sign at the very last part of the document, not at the top. (laughs) So you might notice some of the Queen's contracts she signed. She signed at the top. That means everything that's followed the signature is not part of the original contract. So the way it's supposed to work is when you write a contract out, the entire contract is written out in one language using one font and then the person signs at the very bottom they sign at the last part so this is called the four corners rule so the four corners rule means that's the extent of the contract okay nothing can be added and nothing can be taken away everything within that four corners is the contract now the people within these corporations they take that another stage further anything in a border now is a separate contract because it has four corners so what they'll do is, I don't know, let's say, uh, give you a little demonstration here. They'll, 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 they'll write out a contract, right? Write it out here, and that's the four corners of the contract, but then they will put boxes in there, and then there'll be another little mini contract within that, and there'll be a border on it, you see? Now, the average person will read that and think it's all one document, and you go, no, 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 it's not. That's not part of that. So that's how they do it. They, they violate you through the Four Corners Rule. And then, of course, they'll use italics. Now, if you see italics, which is where the writing is slanted, um, this comes from when judges would write on uh, official documents. So if he was in court and he was reading a contract and he wanted to make a note onto the contract and the judge would write slanted italics, and that was to show that it was not part of the original contract. So anyone reading it goes, "Oh, that's a note by the judge, not the original." So if you see documentation, it's got italics in it; it's not part of that document. If anything is bold, that's a different font. So within the contract law, you you probably heard of the term. Uh, Can I have it in plain English, please? <laughs> that means one font, one language. So they change it. In fact, they they do it on. Um, they do it on the notes as well. Let me see, you have got a note here. Oh, there we go. You see how the, the, you've got the, the pound sign is smaller than the 10. Well, that doesn't say 10 pounds because you've got different size fonts, okay? And there's other ones. See how you've got different fonts. It says 10 and it says pounds. But well, that's two separate fonts. They're two separate pieces of text, if you like. It doesn't say two pounds. It's a pretty piece of paper. You can do this, by the way, in an article. That's what's, This is what they're doing. An article means artificial, basically. An article is what you see in a magazine. It's just got to be pretty. It's not an official contract. So you can do all this. It's not a problem in an article because there's no contract going on. You can't do this in an official contract. So because people don't notice any of this, they don't notice all caps and all the rest of it. Like you it, it might say, uh, summon to court. Well, summoned to court will be written in all caps. Well, that's not English. Because if you're using the rules of grammar of English on that, then it's an acronym. It can't be English. So that's how they're doing it. And people need to start addressing this and basically say, I can't even read this document. I can't even address what is written on it because I don't even know what language is being written. And then you can return it. So, yeah, um the fonts mean a lot of things um in plain English means one language, one font, no boxes, nothing like that. That's how contracts should be written
3: so it's it's really learning the game that they that you know who enslaved us played, and then we relearn it so that it could benefit us, and since it's. We've, it's been happening for decades and who knows, maybe, you know, centuries already. Yes. And so it nothing really, as you said, is easy. And um, so like in New Jersey, there's really movements going on. And one thing that I would tell people is that, yeah, there's so many thoughts there, so many directions that you could take. And But as you said, we have to own it. And owning it means if we just at least do one step, one step that we know it's different. I think it makes a difference in the way we feel as we know that it's about being fearful of rocking our situation. I know the situation may not be good, but the more that we do it, and so we're so scared to change it. But yes, I said, owning it really means stepping up to just one step and I know Roy is very um, uh, um, brave and also honored that he has at least taken step that when he makes his signature, he will put what you have advised us putting living soul. So yeah. I think that's something that not, no one's gonna hurt you, right? No one's gonna hurt us. So for our viewers, think it's important to just take that one step. Now, Pete, um you sometimes also like we're grown, and others are. We see these young people, and and I'm sure the, the, not I'm sure none of the people who would, who've been listening to you or listening now will not understand that something is wrong with the system. Mm. So they. So what would be good? I guess get um advice for the young parents who. I, I, none of us want to for our young ones to go through the same mm. route that we've had what would be the one thing that they can do
1: Get Let's educated.
3: Start with the unborn one <laughs> well, the unborn about about just to be born
1: yeah yeah it, it, it um i think this is going to be a generational thing it's going to be the next generation that's going to be free because we're going to have to educate the next generation on this stuff but yeah it's a difficult one i wish there was a simple answer i think the only people who are going to survive this great reset are the ones who put the work in now and learn how this works and breaks their brainwashing, okay? So if they can do that, if they can get the right mindset, then you're on the right path. Once you get into the right mindset, then you, can, you will be able to answer a lot of the questions yourself. But just learn this. Put some. Everyone's got some spare time. I hear a lot of people go, I ain't got time for this. You've got time to watch TV. Well, if you've got time to watch TV, you've got time to study some of this. Spend three or four hours a week on it. Download the documents on my website. Read it. Get into a group in your local area. Share, you know, that sort of stuff. That's what I want people to do. Yeah. You also mentioned a lot. You want me to cover the lot? Yes. I remember now. Yeah. um, Let's go back to Klaus Schwab when he says you'll own nothing. And you'll be happy. The reason why you don't own anything now is because, again, like I said, most people are illiterate. They don't understand the wording they are using. So they think they've got a deed to their house. No, you don't. You don't have a deed to the land and you don't have a deed to the house, the property. Depending on what country you live in, the wording might be slightly different, but it will probably say statutory resident. It might actually call you a tenant and it also referred to, it can refer to a lot. Now, the problem with a lot, a lot is a jurisdiction within a contract. That's all you've got. You don't own the physical land. You've bought a piece of a jurisdiction, not the land itself. So, this is when you go back to alloidal title. Ooh, about 100 or so years ago, people used to buy the land itself. Um, and then the uh, bureaucrats, if you like, thought they'd be a bit deceptive. And then they changed the wording and they changed it to lots. And no one saw the switch. And of course, a lot is just something on a piece of paper. It's not the land itself. So you don't own the land itself. Now, people don't need to panic because in a way that's sort of good because you can turn around and say, well, that deed I've got is useless. So I don't want it anymore. And what you can do is you can make a claim to that land using an affidavit. It's an affidavit of property. So you say, okay, then that deed that I've got is complete garbage. It's not written in the correct language. It says tenant or statutory resident or whatever. There isn't a single living person who's going to enforce that. Because who would? So look at this, this is why I say that the system's so fragile. A corporation might try and force that onto you, but a person would not. So say, for example, the inland revenue, land registry, say the land registry try to enforce that deed onto you. You say, well, I'm not going to deal with the land registry. That's a legal fiction. I'm going to need to deal with an employee who works for that corporation, and I'm going to put the pressure on that person and say, where are you getting the authority from? Because you can turn around and say, that deed that I have is not a legally binding contract because I didn't sign it with anyone else. There's no second signature, and I was not given informed consent. I was not told that I was just buying a piece of uh, jurisdiction on a contract. I wasn't told that at all, so I was deceived. If I was deceived, if I was not given informed consent, then that deed is worthless. No one can enforce it. So once you know that, you go, great. I can now take the land for myself. Well, the the house and the land that I'm living on, I can create my own deed using an affidavit. Affidavit of property, and then I will make a declaration that I have absolute, a title of that land and property. And that's it. And then you can create a deed off that. And then no one can touch that. Because remember, when I say no one, I'm talking about another person, a living, breathing person. They can't challenge an affidavit. The only way that they can challenge an affidavit is with their own affidavit. And how can they do that? They've got no evidence to back it up. They would be committing fraud. They would go to prison for that. Because if I make a claim that I own this land, who alive says no? No one does. Because I want to say, okay, prove it then. How can you prove that I don't own my land? They can't do it committing fraud they'd have to prove that they own it and of course they don't so a lot of people panic it's like everything you know people have registered their businesses so you don't own it but you weren't told that so that's not a lawfully binding contract you can get out of it you can terminate it. it says i was not given informed consent this is how this is how fragile the system really is it's all fraudulent you can't be tricked into a contract so yeah, and again, it's mindset. If you get the right mindset, this becomes a lot easier. And it is a numbers game. An individual trying to do this is going to find, a, you know, it's going to, going to find it difficult. But if a lot of us do it. Game over.
3: Yeah, and it seems like there's always a loophole to everything that we think it's unsolvable, or just you know, just there's always something there oh. if we start learning about it. Yes. Now, but there's also a question like. If the birth certificate is from 1948 and earlier and they're not in caps, does it change anything?
1: Not really. I've heard this. Some of the birth certificates, by the way, are actually written in cursive script. So the doctor or whatever has probably written it in uh, joined up writing. That's what cursive script is. (laughs) So it's it's worthless. (laughs) So, um, the thing is, a lot of people think the system itself is legitimate. It's not. It's in one incomplete bluff. Every time you dig, you will never get to the absolute truth because it never existed to begin with. It. You'll get to this fuzzy gray area where the lies just keep coming. <laughs> so I know a lot of people get caught up on the birth certificate and all the rest of it. It doesn't really apply to you because you were never informed. So you can throw that in the bin if you wish and say, "Look, no, that's not me. It's a corporation. I don't even want to control it. But, yeah, it's a, you're never going to know the truth. I don't think the truth was ever even known. It was it, The entire system would, was never founded on truth, so you're never going to find it. Every time you research this stuff, you just find another lie, another lie, another lie, and you go, I'll give up. There's too many lies.
3: <laughs> Jean- the only truth I believe is the truth that we were created in the, you know, in the image of a great God and a great Source. That you know we have those inalienable rights that no one should be stepping. And not we shouldn't allow anyone to be taking over those rights from us. Um, I agree with that, Pete. And there's also a question on. Um, if uh because like in the United states they they're also quick to turn the if you don't pay your utility, and then they of course cut the source, so that question I guess would be, what can we do about that?
1: well it's it, just know that that would be unlawful, so because you've paid for it, okay so again, these people behind corporations, they're basically doing whatever they want at this point. You can get all your paperwork correct and you can still lose. This is the problem. You can be be perfect in court and they'll still say you've lost. And you go, what? I did everything correct. And no. So they are making the rules up as they go along. I mean, this could be the end of the system because this is when you see it unraveling. Because when you start seeing that these government officials, the police and all the rest of it, when you see that they're not even following their own laws anymore, their own legislation, for example, they're they're not even following it, then the rest of the people go, the, why are we, why why are we messing with it? And then the, the system collapses. So, yeah. Just to yeah.
0: interject there with, because uh, based on what Grace said, can you have a documentation on the gate? Because normally their services are inside and they think they can just yeah. trot in. If you have a few of us, a note saying you are not allowed to enter this premises. Then they can't come in and disconnect it because they don't connect it from the road. It's normally inside the, your boxes and on the side of the house
1: they do Uh, we've had um here in this country they've actually dug the road up cut you cut them off at the street believe it or not they've actually gone that far um i think it's only happened once but um, yeah normally they cut you off at the box but again this is how they get away with it because if you've got a meter on the outside of your house in one of those fiberglass white doors with a the lock on that box is not yours it's owned by the national grid that gives them the right to enter your premises because the the lock. It's a little bit like the postman. Because you've put a letterbox on your front door that gives permission for the postman to now enter. That's where his jurisdiction ends, by the way, is that letterbox. You can't go any further than that. But he can go all, it doesn't matter. You can put a sign up saying, Postman, you can't come on my driveway. No, you've got a letterbox there. And I, I can walk on. So if you're going to do that, remove the padlock, the the, the barrel lock. I think there's about four or five different types. Normally a triangular lock, but there's different styles. Got to get rid of that.
0: And just on the actual unit as well, because you've got the electricity meter and you've got yep. the gas meter. What I've heard, but I don't know is it true, is that just make sure that it's a registered gas installer, that they're certified because that can come back to bite you, they'll use the safety kind of Good. is that kind of is that kind of the best way to do it? That yep. when you buy your own meter, just make sure that they're certified, but then you have your own little box they can come near you.
1: Correct. That's right. Cover yourself with your own paperwork. Um, they will try using that or oh, we've got to check it because of safety and you can turn around and say, OK, what I'll do. This is a notice of conditional acceptance. I'll accept the fact that you want to check this for safety. However, I've already had it checked and I've got my professional documentation that I will let you have a copy of for fifteen hundred quid. <laughs> but have your paperwork ready to go. So you can do that. But yes, you could put signs on your the door and say this is private property, uh, put a padlock on there, put your own barrel lock on it, say that these locks are private. You can put a sign on there saying um, if you break into this, you will be charged with criminal offences, that sort of stuff. You can put, this is under CCTV, you know, doesn't have to be physically, they'll start looking, oh, is it? Is it? Under, I don't know. <laughs> could be, make cameras small now. <laughs> so you can put all that on your door. Um, but th- if you put these notices on there, they are official notices. So if they actually do break in, well, you're given notice. So whoever breaks in, well, it says private property. You did break in. It was told what would happen to you. You would be charged for criminal damage and theft. So, yes, put the notices on there. Put your own locks on there. And, yeah, you should be good to go, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Still doesn't stop them sometimes, but at least you've got grounds to sue.
3: So what what I'm imagining is that whatever is being done to us kind of like reply but in a different way, don't copy. I know that you use the word affidavit. I from Christopher James. He wouldn't even use that because he mm-hmm. said he would use the living testimony. Anyway. So, yes, okay. so but it's it's in a way it's good. Yeah. Because you know how sometimes we go to the internet and find a form that we might use. Now we have to be careful with that because that the same form might put us in trouble. Yes now i am i'm getting it more yeah that's why it's important to keep listening to sovereign pete <laughs> <laughs> you <And> only
1: <laughs> use your own paperwork don't use someone else's
3: <laughs> there you go yes make your own it's like sovereign 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 yes. own everything from it's yeah. word it's it's <laughs> a font it's size whatever you want yes. as long as it's all yours
1: that's, that's right
3: right and and tell us more about your um uh, the workshops and the classes and i know um, that uh, we have to remind people don't ask that question of uh, you know what do i do but you yeah. said, tell me how it works and yeah. and just like okay i'm a health I, I i'm a health um professional so i always say you can you may have all those studies but unless you apply those help studies on you, you will never experience which one works for you. So the same thing as in common law or whatever you apply. And since we're all different, I guess, Pete, we have, we, each of us only know our situation. So what we can through learning from sovereign Pete, Peter Wilson and and Christopher James, Mm. that you apply to you and then kind of own it. And yeah, nothing is easy. So tell us more about that. And if uh, Hartmut or Roy have other things, I think we have a viewer, but I, I believe that's quite the things that he asked. If he re listen back to, to this podcast, he will know the answers.
1: No worries. Yes, correct. Yeah, you've got to own it. That's, what, that's why it's called the Sovereign Project is there's a clue in the title. <laughs> so yeah, don't ask me what to do because i can't tell you what to do all i will do is show you how it works and then you can make a decision on what to do but do your own paperwork and and just do little things don't don't try and tackle everything um, too many people are jumping in and doing everything and uh, don't do that just do it in little small areas you know you might be dealing with someone at work maybe your boss or something little something trivial Try it there. Maybe you're dealing with, um, I don't know, a shop or something. You, you know you're not happy with the service or something like that. Try it there, you know, that sort of stuff. So some of the people who've been coming to the workshop, they've been um, using this in normal day-to-day life, and they've found results, And they were quite surprised because they went, "Wow, it only took me three or four notices and I got what I wanted." <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well done. So yes, um, learn how it works. Become sovereign, and then you make the decision on how you want to handle it. Um, we'll talk about the. Um, hopefully, we've got time. I just want to touch on a few little things. Um, the workshops, um, as everyone knows, I'm hold, I hold a workshop here in Leicester. We did an event a couple of months ago, and it was called Train the Trainer. So we've we had a hundred people turn up, and they were given the information on how to hold their own workshops wherever they are locally. And we've had about seven or eight people getting contact and they want to set up their own workshop so we've now got workshops starting in other areas so we've got one in wellingborough bristol norwich nuneaton oxford and south wales okay so over the next few weeks we will be putting contact information on our website so if you live roughly in those areas you'll be able to contact someone and find a local workshop in your area you can go along learn this stuff and what I'm asking people to do is if you if there is a workshop local to you support that workshop turn up every Tuesday or Thursday or whenever evening it is turn up get other people to turn up okay because you'll find that you will be meeting others that think the same as you and you're not alone and we're learning we're creating this network you see so support these workshops these people have really gone out of their way they've done the training they're learning it the a venue they're putting all the effort in they want to help you so go along to their workshops get the numbers in get more and more people to join and then hopefully next year we'll get more workshops and we'll just create more and more and the next thing there'll be a workshop in every single town village and, and city and then everyone will start learning this so but yeah um okay we didn't have time i was going to touch on money but i don't think we have we have time for that um how it actually works but um we did touch on the UK corporation. I hope everyone understands that the UK is a corporation. If you understand it's a corporation, then you'll understand that you can get out of that jurisdiction and enter into a separate one. I am working with somebody and we're trying to put something together. So we might create a new jurisdiction that you can jump into and then you can get out of your country jurisdiction. So you're, it's almost like emigrating from your country without leaving the land or without even leaving the your home. <laughs> early days but I am working on something like that with somebody when I know more I'll get the info I'll get the information out to everybody um, very quickly before we run out of time um, I have a plan I want to try and save small businesses pubs and clubs okay because a lot of pubs feel that they're not going to survive this year because they can't afford to stay open um, what I'm trying to do is trying to set up a network of pubs and clubs. So if you've got a pub or club, something like that, and you think you you can't stay open, you can't afford it, get in touch. I'm trying to set up a a database and then we'll work together and we'll show you how to set up a PMA. Uh, A lot of work involved, but we'll show you how you can step out of that jurisdiction. All right. So very early days on that, but I'm working on that. And I want to say thank you for any donations. So if you've donated to the Sovereign Project, I want to say to everybody, thank you for your donations. It does help. We're all volunteers i've got a team now we all do this in our spare time although i do it full-time now and i bought a new camera so this new new camera here is from donations so thanks everyone the old one went bang <laughs> so i think i've managed to touch everything we can touch on other things next time i'm on but um i just wanted to get that out <laughs> brilliant and uh yeah
0: as, as mentioned you know all the stuff that you've got on the site and that's what i love about it. You. like you're all about more people actually understanding that and and getting and just one thing that perhaps people should pay attention to as well is like i agree with you don't take on 50 things because some people think they get they think they know it to choose your battles you know sometimes if it's something small just pay it get it out of the you know don't have the headache but have a folder have everything documented if you're posting some i do everything registered post so i have full proof or i take pictures of stuff that i've done Make sure that you have your filing system organized because at the end of the day, they don't just say, oh, yeah, sorry, you know what you're doing. You're the living soul. Goodbye. No, it's normally about five to ten correspondents, maybe yeah. even more. And as long as it goes any further, at least you've got your documentation saying, hey, I gave you notice to respond to me and you didn't. And by just having that, when you if you have to go into court or you're dragged into court, you kind of have your ducks lined up so that you end up kind of
1: winning the case. Yes, or well, having a better chance at winning the case. <laughs> You're still up against a corrupt system.
0: No, sure. And I mean, you mentioned the affidavits. Like, when I've had my very first case in Ireland, I didn't even know what an affidavit was. And there was this affidavit that was done against me, and I was like, this is all lies. I responded <laughs> with 48 items, and they could never respond to it. And yet I still lost. I went through wow. eight, This was the high court in Ireland. I went through eight cases. I had... 20 bank signatures of all different people even two different banks because they bought out one bank of the exact same signature that they used i mean that's as fraudulent as you could get with a load of other things and they couldn't do it so sometimes you just have to realize as you've mentioned from the start the courts are totally corrupt and everything so the more people that get out there and i know you're you're pushing to get this all over the uk but i'm hoping ...Ireland and the rest of the world as well, because we're kind of, some people are getting, they think here is civil law and everything. The reality is civil law is kind of like cooperation law, your base. It is. So it's
1: the Bar Association, that's what it is. Civil law comes from Roman, the Roman Empire. You don't want to be a civilian. <laughs> a civilian is a person controlled by civil law, which is policies and codes controlled by the Bar Association. You're
0: basically saying if you're under civil law, you'll you comply with what they're saying. So, yeah. And, and the same with citizenship. Like there's a lot yes. of people, they tell them, don't go for citizenship. No. That means you're complying to what they're doing.
1: Yes, <laughs> you got it, and don't use civil rights. It's all of everyone's banging on about civil rights. No, no, you have your inherent rights to you, you they're yours. Civil rights are privileges. <laughs> I told you people are illiterate, they, they've got to learn this stuff, but that's how they trick you. Well, it seems so like we have can to... get
0: you back once every month because, to be honest with you like the the episodes we've had previously the information i just love your style because you break it down in such an understandable format and that's the thing because i know i've read black law well i've i've gone through it and then the yeah. bouviers and all this it's all <laughs> probably gook to be honest <laughs> with you i'm looking at all these things and i'm reading loads of books and just the penny is dropping every now and again and i'm making note of it but i know that the way that you say it and you explain it even just this whole conversation People will go,
2: because
0: even when I heard, I watched a different episode of you with the the, the actual font size, and I straight away was looking at the Polish money, and I was like, you know, and that's what I encourage, because I mean, I've got listeners in in over 100 countries, pick up your money and look at it, it doesn't have to be everything related to the UK, It's this is replicated around the world, the big boys are controlling everything, they're controlling all the wars, they're controlling the whole lot, and once... We get our sovereignty back and no better man than sovereign p to look at <laughs> <laughs> thanks buddy <laughs> so i thank you very much i encourage everybody to check out your website because you'll get a lot of stuff that's actually that you can download and yeah we'll uh, we'll get you back in uh, another month or so and go yeah, through anytime. the banking as
1: well yeah brilliant. thank anytime. you very much thanks